Hi, everybody. I'm Regina Kim. I'm your host here at The Legal Zone, and we're happy to bring you another episode. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about Miami luxury homes, how to buy and sell, uh, how to sell them, basically. And we have a wonderful guest that's going to join us, and I'm going to introduce Ms. Melba Garcia in a moment. Uh, but I do want to talk about our last speaker, just, if, you know, just to remind everyone, if you're interested in seeing the last podcast, it was Mr. Alfredo gonzalez Amar was able to provide us some pointers as to how to uh, make investments here in Miami, and particularly for Latin American investors coming into the country to help us to help them basically get pointers on how to do so and enter into this country's market. But today, we are going to shift our topic of conversation. We're going to introduce our guest speaker, Melva Garcia, for our episode today, Miami Luxury Homes, How to Buy and Sell. Hi, Ms. Garcia, how are you? Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's such a hot market in Miami. So it still is. It still is. It's negative. Yes, it still is. We're kind of like that inflation buster, aren't we? We're yeah. sort of what we we don't really ride always the regular rules. I think we don't. I mean, uh, real estate is geographical, yeah. and so the markets are geographical. You have to look at each market. When we look at the st- statistics that we see, oftentimes yeah. on the news and negative press, they're looking at everything. It's true. And Miami, South Florida, but Miami mm-hmm. and the Tri County area. We're very different. And post-COVID, yes. entirely different. Changed forever. Wonderful. Sounds fantastic. So this is why we wanted, we brought uh, Melva on. She's a friend of mine also, so I'm going to call her Melva. <laughs> She's out of the mind. I want to give you a little bit of background on Melva and her experience also, because I think it's very, very important to know where she's coming from and her experience as to why she is an authority on this issue and can help. People also understand and give tips for how to buy and sell, particularly luxury homes. So Mrs. Garcia... From Elba. Uh, it helps provide high quality concierge type services as a real estate agent affiliated with Compass. Uh, Compass. 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 Okay, sorry, I'm going to say that differently. Different languages. Okay. Uh, her dedicated team of sales agents and brokers assist clients with all level, all of their real estate needs. With the years of combined experience in every aspect of the real estate industry, Melba adds. Uh, that that key ingredient that uh, distincts that makes her distinct in the real estate world. Uh, she helps you from negotiating to financing uh, to help selling and purchasing different homes, and she also works with buyers and selling to course purchase transactions and homes, and tries to make the process as smooth, seamless and smooth as possible. So we are very grateful to have her here today. And with that, I want to ask her first question. That is such a hot topic here, and particularly in Miami, and for people coming into Miami, I think they need to know, right? Yeah. So um, as an experienced professional in the real estate market, can you tell us about the varying difficulties that uh, people are having to buy and selling luxury homes in Miami? In general, the luxury clientele, what they call that 1%, um, they typically know what they want. They have the money to buy it. Um, They're private. Uh, Their security, they may have more assets. They may have artwork. So dealing with them is a little bit different. Um, I think when you work with anyone, mm-hmm. you, you try and make them a friend, right? Yes. So that's the best part of, of what I do. You end up, yes, I, I was your realtor yes. and a friend. Yes. So um, yes. you, but you, you get to know them throughout yeah. the transaction. You ask questions. You learn a little bit about their lives, um, about what they're going through at that moment. What is their motivation to buy. So the luxury seller or buyer, they're a lot more private. Okay. So they're not as easy to 
give up that information um, for many different reasons. And so it takes a little bit more gauging, a little more time, more questions. Um, you know, typically in conversation, you know, nothing, you know, you, you can't send them. Like sometimes we sell, we send clients a questionnaire to kind of get to know them. You can't do that with them. You just have to get to know them and pay, pay close attention to the things they say, the people that even to the people that they're around. Um, oftentimes they have advisors. So you really have to get to know who their trusted advisor is that is going to be, you know, with them throughout this process, because oftentimes that's the person you're going to be dealing with. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of times it's it's also the trusted advisor knows what they're looking for, whether it's, like you're saying, privacy. I've had some clients also that want anonymity, to, yeah. you know, to, you know, they don't want their titles and their name on titles, so to speak, aside from investment concerns and other issues that might come about, right, from Absolutely. purchasing a property and um, asset protection, so to speak. But I guess that's when you talk to them. Do they like it this way? Do they like certain views? Uh, what are they concerned with? Do they want extra security? I guess that's what you're referring to. Yeah. Uh, what is the house for, I guess? So, for instance, a seller mm -hmm. um, that has, you know, a multi-million dollar home, they may have millions of dollars hanging on their walls. Wow. This is it's not like they can pack it up and move it into a warehouse temporarily because they have to keep certain climate controls. It just, it doesn't work for them. Yeah. So you really have to know, this is where, like, you know, we all talk about having clients that come directly to you. I love working as a transaction agent with another agent, a qualified agent on the other side. Why? Because that agent knows their buyer. That's true. So when she brings me or he brings me, when an agent brings me a buyer and it's a luxury property, I feel a lot more comfortable. Yeah. going right into it I, i'll even question the agent okay so have you you know have do you know their financials and a lot of the times the agents will tell me yeah i've known them i've known the family i've done multiple transactions for them you know it's not like they have to bring you and give you a proof of funds because they may not want to do that no that makes sense but also you want to make sure you're not wasting your time or something's not just trying to sneak into someone's home to to do a listing. That's, that's the worry. Yeah, that's that's the, the biggest worry. I think if I were a seller and I put myself in their shoes, yeah. you know, walking into some of these closets, they probably have millions of dollars in handbags wow. and shoes and things of that nature, you know, good for them. They, they yeah. enjoy it and this is the life they want, yeah. but they also, you know, don't want to be that exposed, you know, because you are, when you have, you're showing your home, People, you're exposing your closets, your, your bathrooms, everything, your private part. I mean, it's your style, your literally almost your underwear drawer, hopefully no one's opening drawers. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, you're seeing other aspects. Yeah. Right. So this isn't the type of showing where you have the aunt, the grandmother, the, you know, yeah. you're typically going to try and show to as little, you know, as few people as possible, not having that rotation revolving door especially if the home is occupied if it's unoccupied then typically the value is up and take okay that makes sense also i guess the securities uh you know sometimes they have to be concerned with someone getting to know the floor plan i assume of their house for you never know what nefarious intent that happened to me that actually happened to me and um you know i had a seller that god bless her i love her we're still good friends but she insisted on being there for all of the showings okay and um, I didn't really, the buyers came without an agent. I, I, for some reason, you know, my spidey senses were, yes, yeah. 
<laughs> and um, I actually, I oftentimes bring somebody to those showings. So I'll bring an associate with me That's and right. we'll both be there yeah. to see what's going on. So we'll walk to the home. And so, you know, they'll walk behind me or we'll switch it up to make sure that everybody's going to the same rooms. No, they're not splitting up. They're not allowing them to just walk. Around. Right. They're not just okay. running through the home. Okay. And um, I had that happen. So she was there and she hears them ask about the home floor plan and the security system, which at that point had been disconnected. Okay. They had had an issue with the alarm and she told me it's disconnected. So I knew that. And so when he asked, she like pops in and says, well, let me show you the control room. It's disconnected, but yeah. we have all of this here oh. and da 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 and I'm just like, my heart is going. Yeah. And at that point, I had my associate with me. Yeah. And I said, hey, do me a favor. Yeah. Take them outside. And, um, oh, and then they asked, well, do you have floor plans? And she popped up again. <laughs> of course I have floor plans. Let me get them in the office. And so I asked her to take them in the yard. And I took her into the office. And I said, I'm sorry. With all due respect, I'm trying to protect you here. Yes. I don't know these buyers. I don't want, and I explained to her, I said, this is the security of your family. Yeah. And she just kind of like froze. Yeah. And I remember like, I, I felt really bad because I had to be almost stern with her. Yes. And, and she later on apologized. And I said, you know, you have to trust me. You cannot yes. just let me walk them through. There are certain things you really, you know, you shouldn't be saying because it's for your own safety. Yeah. They don't realize it because a lot of times you, you think people are like you. They don't have any various intent. They're just here to look. And, and she's like that. You know, yeah. she's just like, let me make cafecito for you. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way she is. That would be me. Yeah. with them and everything. You know? So that that's a really important point. It really is very distinct in the average sort of, um, you know, uh, purchase. You know, or even just showing up a property. So you know, that's that's like one of the things that set you apart. Is why you, you you know a lot about selling luxury homes and so forth. And this is tips, hopefully helpful for everybody today. You know. <laughs> so want to ask also. Um, so what are the other difficulties you're seeing? Is it? I mean, I assume credit is not such an issue from a lot of these buyers or sellers. Um, I mean, like what's going on here? Like the terms, the different kinds of things in these transactions, luxury home transactions currently. I think. Across the board, and this is one thing that hasn't changed, it's whether it's luxury or not, yeah. um, and this is something that most attorneys would recommend against, is a post-occupancy. Okay, yes. yes. So, as an attorney, <laughs> you're going to tell your seller, no, 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 don't do it, because, of course, it creates somewhat of a, a landlord-tenant yes, relationship post-closing. Yes. And um, so, you know, for different reasons, as tight as that post-occupancy agreement could be, it could get complicated. It can. And um, you have to have a lot of teeth in them, too. Yeah. Sure you're going to get them out. And Yes. Well, the funny thing is we have been seeing, like, the post-occupancy agreements getting a lot more lax. Okay. The terms have been much more favorable to the, the buyer or the sale rather than the owner who's, you know, to the well, because it changes. Yeah. Well, yeah. So to the seller. Right. Um, I imagine some sellers may have to stay. They're having a hard time finding a new home. So they say, can I stay? You know, yeah. I'll sell you the house and I'll close in 30 days, but I need to, I have nowhere to go. That's exactly why we're seeing it. So because we have such, such a shortage in inventory, especially last year, yeah. 
you know, the sellers, they would call you, they would tell you, you know, I want to sell my home, but what if I don't see anything? So you start selling the properties right before they list it, but then they're seeing, they don't see anything that they like. Yes. So they're having trouble with that. And then, you know, you have to, at that point, we, we shifted a little bit and um, had to say, look, you know, we're, we're, we're more often than not able to negotiate a post occupancy. Yeah. You know, you're clear because in Florida, we're transaction agents. So, you know, I have to tell them, you know, this doesn't mean that this is your home. Once we close, it becomes this buyer's home. And yes. you have to understand when they, you know, leave here, you know, you have your tenant now. And, but, you know, we've been able to navigate them. I even had one, it was again, a luxury home was a 90 day post occupancy. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I don't even know how we got it done. Yeah. 90 days rent free. Wow. I have never had one like that. Yes. Yeah. And um, someone wanted the house bad, apparently. They really wanted the house. And the seller couldn't find the home. Yeah. So luckily, she moved very fast. And, you know, we were on it, constantly on it. She found the home directly after the close mm -hmm. and we were able to get it done but yeah it, it definitely the yeah, post, it. oh no 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 and that one was a good one and huh. right at the end huh. it got it got messy the attorneys came into yeah. it and at that point I just I kind of like it when the attorneys step in because it takes so much pressure off of me yeah and I was like okay now you guys have to work this out right Right, you know, we well, not foods. I mean, I've seen I've seen situations where it's like the ninety day post occupancy or sixty days, thirty days, whatever it is they agree to. The other person's closing on their property got delayed, and then the next fifteen days, but technically it goes past the contract period. And I'm really going to kick someone out for fifteen days. Yeah. Um, you know, did they cause damage? Did they cause this? All of a sudden, you know what I mean? There's other things that start to appear that it's like. Uh, God forbid something happens with a roof or or an incident or a hurricane. All of a sudden, you know, it becomes more complicated. Those post occupancy agreements are not very clear. No. What happens in other circumstances? Like, you know, are they, you know, the renters technically. The biggest issue that you just mentioned is um, so the buyer buys and they're excited. Mm -hmm. They're now the own, they own this home. They're paying all this money for it and they have, you know, all these expenses. Yeah. They want to come in to measure for curtains. Yeah, they want to come in to yeah. survey to do this. They they're going to be planning, you know, the, an alteration of something. Yeah. And now the seller is packing and getting ready to leave. But now they're the new They don't want to be bothered. Huh? So okay, one time you come in, but then the buyer is like, "This is my home, and I'm letting you stay yeah. here." <laughs> so I want to come back yeah. again. And again, as often as I need, and this is the time that my contractor could go, this is the time I need to give a sign. That is where it's almost impossible for any attorney to foresee all of these different scenarios. In those situations, you almost have to create an actual landlord-tenant agreement to that extent, because then you at least have some, well, some, one part or another may not benefit, one, depending on the party who wants or doesn't want it, but at least it gives clarity. Now, under those circumstances, you can't be bothering the tenant unreasonably coming into their house every five minutes. So if you default to Chapter 83, landlord-tenant sort of rules, 
you have that, you know, okay, you know the rules, but the buyer may not be like, no, I want to be able to come in and out. Well, now we're going to put that in an agreement. And then is one time a week good? No, no, I need to come in twice. It would slow down and go, no. <laughs> and if it's not clear, it's like you're saying, that makes it even worse. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. That's what I think that's probably been the biggest change. Yeah. And it's part of almost every transaction. Wow. I guess because of the shortage in the housing. Yeah. Wow. So no one's leaving Miami? <laughs> um, I think the statistics, I was looking at statistics from uh, National Association of Realtors, and they said in 2021, for every 100 um, people that left Miami, 256 moved into Miami. Yikes. So it's, no, it's not stopping either. No. This year we're seeing, I think it's, Florida seeing maybe 834 relocations a day or something like it's like this number I, I forget the exact numbers but it's this oh goodness yeah that was one of the questions I was going to ask you how many of them are relocations like you know and it sounds like a, at least a YouTube have you seen that's kind yeah. of consistent with it with this with these very things? consistent okay very consistent and we're seeing it at all levels okay um and it's all primarily due to COVID I mean okay. we're seeing as hard as we had it here, other countries had it, still have it. Still have it a lot worse. A lot worse. And when you have this unforeseen pandemic, who would have thought in our lifetime we would have seen that? Like no. We would have said they're going to close the world down. We would have no, been like, no. I think you're in a movie, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And so it happens. So what happens is... <clears throat> When things like that happen, it changes countries. You know, it changed the U.S. The psyches too. Right? It changes everything. Yeah. And um, a lot of these, a lot of countries outside the U.S. that had it so hard, they're seeing the news. They're still yeah. undergoing very difficult times, economical, mm -hmm. physical, political, political. They're creating political people as well. Yeah. So a lot of them, if they're able to, they're coming. They're coming here. Um, they're buying here. They know that their money is safe here. No matter, you know, this. No matter how much negative we hear about our market, you're always going to do better. Always do better with real estate. People think it's a long term game. It is. It is, and it's a good place because it's not a place that's um, where people are exiting. You yeah. know, it's place. Some places in New York and California are having that issue. Yeah, you know, California and New York are in California and New York, but they're having issues. They're having more of an exodus. They're placed in New Jersey, Illinois. I mean, so they just, for different reasons. Um, a lot of the, the multinationals are coming down to Miami yeah. and to Florida, but a lot of Miami, and that's unheard of because we used to not have multinational, you know, these huge. And New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in New York. And New Yorkers are true New Yorkers. Yes. And it's funny, you mentioned all those markets. Yeah. New York, mm -hmm. California, and Illinois are in the top 10 mm -hmm. tax bracket. So yes, yeah. there's a reason why they're leaving. And then the others that we're seeing in some is New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania. So there's like four or five out of the top. Yeah. I think I mentioned four. Um, state income tax. So this is right, state income tax. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we are now, we've been attracting mm -hmm. technology. Yes. So Florida in 2021 was one of the top states to attract technology companies. So it's now, you know, where before it was California. Yes. And what's happening is the CEOs are coming here. Yeah. And they are saying, wait a minute, you know, they see a lot of negative press because we do. <clears throat> like every state. Yes. Yeah. You know, you see the press and they like to focus on the bad, but then they get here and they're like, what is this? 
I had one buyer um, in on Miami Beach, and he was, you know, the, the, he's moving his whole company here. And I asked him, I like to ask, what what is it that motivated you? And he's this was December, mm-hmm. and we're in this beautiful condo on Miami Beach, mm-hmm. and he's his kids are downstairs in the pool, and he said, <laughs> I just got off the phone with. You know, one of my friends in New York, there's a snowstorm. snowstorm. Yeah. And they're in lockdown. Yeah. And here we are, and it's December. My kids are in the pool. Everybody's tan and happy. The yeah. restaurants are open. And it just makes sense. Like, yeah. I was up there in December for my son's graduation. Shortly thereafter, they were just about to start locking people down. You know, and of course, the winter, you know, like some of the winter I missed probably just wouldn't want to be there all winter, but uh, in general, yeah, we're locking down. Yeah. And I love New York. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to visit. I love. Yeah, New York's like my second home. Yeah, to be honest with you, don't mind me. I'm just moving this. I see. I've got like a little ghost in the room. It seems to like start moving on me. I don't know what it's doing here. (laughs) I was like, okay, bye. All right. So, and that makes sense. That kind of falls in line with a lot of what we've talked about in the past, uh, what people are seeing in the news and everything. Although it's not as I know. The the biggest problem is I think also. People are coming in here, they're driving up the prices. So I think part of the issue is that then where do the employees go? You know, where do the other workers and on? You know, because I hear a lot of CEOs, a lot of hedge funds coming here ahead, some big capital companies coming down here. But then where do you, and it kind of keeps expanding those boundaries. I mean, yeah. but remember, they're coming from markets where rents are much higher than even our current timings. Okay. So for them, if you're coming from California, New York, special, which yes. is, that's 20%. Yeah, that's the relocation buyers, 10% roughly from New York and 10% from California. If you're coming from those states, you're used to paying very high rents. Okay. If we've lived, us, that have lived here for a very long time, we're like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? An efficiency of 1800, you're like, yeah, it's insane, (laughs) right? So it depends on the area, but they're finding, you know, they come down here and to them, you know, to pay four hundred, five hundred dollars. I'm sorry, to pay for a four or five hundred square foot, yeah. you know, unit on Brickle, nineteen hundred, eighteen hundred dollars. They're okay with that. They're okay with that. And yeah. I guess it's the Floridians that don't that are like, what is that? They're, they're sticker shock. Yeah, I'm hearing some rent going up thirty percent. Yeah, fifty percent. Oh no, no, fifty. Yeah, we're seeing fifty percent. You can't afford it. It's very, very difficult. And for our kids, you know, our, if we kids who are in their 20s right now, how do you afford that? They're looking to, yeah. you know, my, my assistant tells me all the time, she's like, I want to move. I want to find a place. And then, where am I ever going to move? Because she sees, yeah. you know, what we're looking at. And um, it, it, it is getting hard. Even with good incomes, yes, 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 you're making an increased income. It's still hard. My son was like, Mom, New York's so expensive. And he's, he's, a, he's a, he likes Miami as well. He likes both places. I'm coming down there and he starts looking. He's like, Oh, it's not that cheap down there. I go, No, honey, it is not. <laughs> yeah, for, for him, yeah. sticker shock also because everybody's known Miami. The big difference between like Miami, California, and New York, yeah. it's, you know, we're inching closer. So even hundred thousand dollar income zone goes as far as they used to. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's kind of so that's that kind of answers some of the questions that we talked about. What's going on with um, you know, what are you seeing in these transactions? And and I guess the answer was mostly the the post occupancy, and and it, and it does seem to bring true also this uh, where everyone's coming in the influx. 
a lot of relocators and and, and, and sort of uh, well people that are repatriating here or they're patriating here, depending on the circumstances. I'm sure you're hearing about that, right? Yes. So but, um, we listed a home last week mm -hmm. and I was surprised that a lot of the buyers, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's been that, they're coming yes. from Venezuela, yes. from Colombia, probably from Colombia, from even from Santo Domingo, like just from yeah. uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing it from different places. <laughs> and um, some of them have had properties here, mm -hmm. but one case in particular, they're moving, they have, you know, I, I won't say what they do, but they have a very big chain in their current, yeah, country, and they're moving. They're opening several locations here. Interesting. So now they're buying their properties, okay. which I think helps them, you know, with their yeah, visas. Visa, visa, yeah, visa. So each one of the family members is buying a, a particular right, yes, property. Yes, yeah. And um, I was, you know, foreign national loans were yeah. kind of a thing of the past. That right. was the two thousands, you know, yeah. right before the Great Recession. Yeah. Um, but now we're starting to see them come back, which I love. Yeah, yeah they're, they're great loans. You know, these people really, and you know this, yeah. they really, they want their status here. Yes. They want, they, they're not going to do anything to mess it up. Yeah. So they're coming in with large down payments. Um, you know, they take a little bit longer to close. Yes. But, but they need to, but it's also part of them being able to come into the country. It's part of their visa. It's part of establishing yeah. And then when you have people that come from various countries, they want to see some of the name brands they're used to in their country. And if you have a lot of people coming here from Brazil or Colombia or Venezuela, they want to see some of those sort of chain stores that they had there that they're used to. Well, there's a lot of Venezuelan Colombians here. Great place to open up. <laughs> you know, a store here, bring it here. Makes all the sense, you know, a little bit of home. Yeah, we're seeing it even more when you walk through the malls, right? Yes. All these little pop-up shops yes. that you can see that they're a little bit different, beautiful yes. stuff, especially handmade stuff. Yes. Um, so I, I think it's awesome. I, I, I was so surprised and pleasantly surprised to see it. Yeah, me too, as well. Definitely. So I think you've answered also the question, what kind of percentage of the homes in Miami are, um, I guess, from relocation? We kind of talked a little bit about that as well. And do you find that's the primary reason for people selling and um, and purchasing homes, so to speak, either to relocate somewhere in Miami, or do you, because you're saying a lot of the people that are selling homes are still staying. Are still staying, yeah. yeah. So in the past, uh, you know, statistics would show yeah. people would even come to retire in Miami, yes, or yeah. they retire outside Miami. So you would have the person that would. Um, sell their home and move you know, a lot of relocations from retirees to like North Carolina. Um, you know, I think Miami has become more metro, right? Yes. So it's, it's becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And so I think, you know, if you're retired and you're living on, on an income now, next income, yeah. Um, and you want maybe want a little bit slower pace yeah. where you can drive to the corner to go to your local shop. You know, and things like yes. that, and not be bombarded with traffic. Yeah. Um, but what we're seeing now post COVID is so oh, we also had pre COVID the younger population, as your son, that would leave here because all these tech jobs were in California or they'd go to New York because this is where all of the big companies the were, companies, yeah. all the finance companies were, and, and law firms. Yeah. So that's where everybody wanted to be. Yeah. That's changed now. 
coming back, right? They're coming back. So the new graduates, they're saying, I don't want to be stuck. It's now they know that there's a possibility of the world closing down. Yes, yes, yes. So, with, you know, that's changed forever in all these, all these generations that have lived in it, that it could happen, you know, so... And also, I think they feel a sense of empowerment, you know, the great resignation. Right now, there is a lot of flexibility. And I, unfortunately, it probably will start to clamp down a little bit if recession comes around the corner. Uh, but right now, the employees in general have have more say. I want to work remotely. I want to work here. This, I want to make this much money. So it is more possible to, to live in different places. So if you, then you want to live where you're going to be easier for you, where you may enjoy it, where you don't have to go to New York City. Absolutely. And it'll work for a hedge fund in particular, you know, because even smaller ones, because bigger banks are always still there. Yeah. But it's it's funny because my son was, um, he's going to start his graduate program, and he had a choice between a New York school and a, a Miami school. And he was like, Mom, but I love Miami, and I'll build my network down here. It's, it's a bigger network now, even though New York is still New York. You know, sure, he's, of course. He but he's not living there. So he's like, Mom, it's possible. It's grown so much, Mom. You know, there's so many more opportunities. I'm like, honey, I'm happy to have you here. You know, I know Ricardo feels different, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but basically, um, so it's, they're seeing that possibility in real time. We're seeing these changes. Yeah. Right? Instead of taking 10, 15 years, 20 years, it just seems the pandemic kind of just pushed everything into gear, so to speak, for, you know, change forever. Yes. It and, and that's the primary change for what we're seeing in the real estate industry. That makes sense. But it seems like we are just still hot. Right? We are. Okay. We are. Um, we have seen, though, from last year, you just look at the numbers from last year to this year. Inventory is up. Okay. Um, sales are down. Slowing down a little bit. Slowing down. But what we haven't seen much of is, so they keep talking about prices and prices, and some buyers are sat on the fence. Yeah. You know, so December of last year, I remember a buyer asking me, oh, I don't know, what do you think? So I have interest from like they're offering me. I have like a three point two or three percent. Do you think they'll go lower? I, I I just like my jaw dropped. Yeah, and I said, well, if you want the banks to give you the money, yeah, I don't see that happening. But I can't imagine <laughs> too much lower. You know, and, and I would tell people when I was financing, when I was, you know, I was mortgage lender, I would tell them, you know, uh-huh. you your rate is what it is when you're, you're motivated to buy or sell yes. or to buy or to refinance, just lock the rate and don't look back. Yeah. Cause you're going to be so much more upset if you don't lock it and it goes up than if it goes down a little bit. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be so much. More yeah. Sometimes you don't want to be completely greedy about everything. You can't always oh. pick. I mean, it's like trying to pick up a spot in the market. Know where it's going to be on certain days. It's possible. Know it is. Yeah. It's possible. So I'm sure he's shooting himself. Himself in the foot. Right oh now. my goodness! Yeah. So yeah, they waited and they were like, "Oh, now imagine the interest rates going up almost double what they were looking at before." That's priced them out of the market for the homes they want. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Increases the price. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. So it's it's amazing. Sometimes it's you know I would say God puts you where you need to be when you need to be there. But whether whether it was meant to be for them or they just were there and didn't realize it, because sometimes we we don't capitalize on where we are, you know. Uh, and Miami, I mean, my home has increased in value. I just sit there. I like the whole thing is that even if I sold, where you know, like where would you go? Where would I go? You know, I mean, it's just it's, it just doesn't. So it doesn't make sense. I'm like, oh, I guess we're sitting here, guys. 
you know what I mean? Like and the kids, my love, my kids love my house. You know, they've been there for the last eleven years, so they're happy. You know, um, but it's just sometimes you have to also be educated about these things and what works, and kind of understand the bigger picture. And I think also working with a broker and knows the environment, knows the the market, and everything does help. That's for you not to like be lost. You know, because phases can come and go. But even when you are in the middle of a phase, and I know everything's been overpriced in Miami, but even then, you need someone to help guide you. Is this still more overpriced than normal or average? Or you know, helping you run comps, helping you kind of make those decisions and look at different aspects. You need a you need a, a school. These are the kind of schools that are nearby. Someone that knows the market as well. Um, and a lot of people come in. They don't. You know, they never lived here, and it's hard to. You know, you, you buy a house, you may not have, you know, you may have, if you had to do it again in a year or two, you might have bought the house 10 miles or five miles you know, further south. You don't know. There's someone that can help you, make these, you know, think about these things and answer these questions for you. And that goes back to what you originally said, getting to know your client and what their needs, you know. So. It's not just about the transaction. Sometimes, you know, you may have to walk away from it. Yeah. You may have to walk away from the client because they're being unrealistic and they're they're pulling away so much energy yeah and you know it just gets to that point where you're like okay maybe this isn't the time for you like right it's funny it's you sometimes you have to sit them down and say okay but you're putting all these obstacles yeah maybe you just don't want to do this right yeah. now is, yeah. is it possible that maybe this just the timing is it right for you yeah. you're not sure Right, unless you sold your home and you really just don't want to rent or whatever, I get that. But yeah, I'm getting to it. Sometimes they don't know. They might actually, it might be better. You know what? You know, why don't you rent somewhere for a year, figure out where you want to live, get to know the area, come back to me. Because there's no point in pulling hair, you know, trying to figure out what they want. And this, this closet's too big, this closet's too small. Meanwhile, you, you know, you find them that unicorn and they're still not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you know. It's that's right. when you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's that that pivotal moment when when you get find them that unicorn and they are just like it's. I call it the Goldie Goldilocks syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. We're just too hot to go to the bed. <laughs> there's there's some reason. There's usually an underlying reason. You see that oftentimes in couples. Okay. Um, and yeah, I recently had one similar to that, and you know, one of them wanted. There was there were other reasons yes. going on, and I caught on it in. Immediately, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know how do you address that sometimes because it's more personal. Yes, yes. And um, but yeah, and, and you got to be careful not to be getting involved in their styles. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, someone wants a big house with a big mansion, and the the guy wants a smaller house or something simple. That's you know, with a three car garage. Yeah, a three car. Yeah, yeah that, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Um, so you're like, okay, what are you supposed to say? You should think differently and you should want differently. You're not going to say that. So you have to be very delicate and just right. Ultimately, they have to make a decision. So that actually kind of brings us into our last topic. Um, and this will help a lot of my clientele. And I'm sure a lot of people in Miami can help use advice as well. What is the best way to sell a house if you're in the middle of a divorce proceedings? Because mm -hmm. that's tricky. You technically have somewhat aligned interest. But they're really not because obviously depending on who's going to get what in the division of the assets, um, they can't change the trajectory of people's lives, so to speak. And it already is happening. You know, they may have to sell their house and not know where they're going to live and see how expensive it is now. And they're like, okay, well, I can sell my house, but where do I go? You know? So I guess as a, what would your, what would your tips be for that? Because that's, that's, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a really tough one. I, I 
I guess, luckily, if for lack of a better word, have been involved in a number of divorces. So my background as a paralegal, I was 14 years of paralegal. Um, it takes a lot of patience. Those types of transactions when you're dealing with divorce, feelings, emotions, it's, you know, buying a home is stressful enough. Yeah. Selling a home is stressful enough. When you're going through a divorce, compound all of those emotions times a hundred. Um, children may be involved. And they love their home. They love their home. This is where they were born. Um, you know, it's really, really important. And, and this has been something that I've, I myself have struggled with, with clients yeah. in this scenario is, like you said, you have two parties. They're not, there should be a line because it's there's one asset, but two parties that own this one asset, but their their motivations are not aligned. Not necessarily. No. Right. No. So I mean, I would in a perfect world, I try and talk to both of them. Um, and I tell your clients, as an agent, yeah. if I list a home and they're going through a divorce, I have to be available to both yes. parties. Yeah. I legally have to speak to both yeah. parties and and our job we're transaction agents in Florida, mm -hmm. transa transaction brokers. We have to be ethical, we have to be transparent, we have to disclose. It's for we work for the transaction. Yeah. We work for the sellers, yeah. which in this, these are two parties that are not aligned. Yeah. Um, what I try and do is, like I said, I meet with both of them. Yes. If I can meet with both of them together, it's always the best scenario because I kind of see the synergy between the two of them. And you will very quickly learn mm -hmm. who yeah. has the power. Yeah. Because there is, there's typically one party. Okay. And it's not always the one that the court designates Designate. responsible yeah. for the sale. Yeah. It's oftentimes just in the marriage, there's always going to be somebody who's the strong. I mean, it's. Yeah, it happens. So if someone's also stronger financially, understand the transaction better. I think my concern is also sometimes people have motives that are not necessarily rational. Yes. I don't want her to get the house, or I don't want her to be able to sell it or get as much money out. I, you know, so I want you, you know, I want to fire sell it. And they're difficult. You know, so I find this where I have to a lot of times uh, if I'm drafting an agreement, a marital settlement agreement or something of that nature, I try to lock down as much contingency as I can, but even at the end of the day, it's hard. Like, okay, the listing price is this much. Um, we, you know, it's going to be based on a realtor's analysis of what, the, what it should be listed for, what the market sale is, and you try to have some reasonable language in there because someone, well, you know, I mean, there's been, you've heard, you've heard crazy stories, sells them for a dollar to a friend, the house for a dollar to a friend. So you want to be careful with these kind of issues. So it's touchy. And then I assume the court wants to also be making sure you, you might have been brought in as an expert or as a witness. What is going on here? Is Should we reduce the price? Should we not reduce it 5%? The other thing is, of course, I don't think couples realize you don't want this to be advertised either because then a buyer knows there's division, there's concern, there's urgency, and they're going to take advantage of it. So I can imagine that's a lot to wrestle with. It's a lot. And it's funny you say that, but it's Typically, and, and I find that more and more these days, the internet mm -hmm. has taken away any secrets. <laughs> yes. So if you're going through a divorce, do not be posting. No. no. So you're parting out now. You no, know, no, don't, don't. Without <laughs> your, your significant other. No. Um, because 
people do their homework. Yes. Buyers that are looking at, especially in the luxury market, uh-huh. they look to see, they go online, figure out who the owner is, go into the social media and say, oh, hmm. yeah, they're going through a divorce. They're going through a divorce. They figure it out like that. Yeah. Like that. I have people walk into the house and as we're walking through, they'll tell me, oh, it's sad. They're getting divorced. Or they knew the neighbor who knows somebody, because it's especially Miami, it's kind of oh, like yeah. that, the crowd kind of runs the same circles. So people will know. And um, they want inside information too. They, they want inside information. Someone else comes in. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know, especially in this market, that it really, it doesn't matter. They're going to get what they're going to get. And the value is the value. I think years passed it really was used as a, a okay. bargaining chip. Now they yeah. can't because yeah. it is what it is. Go buy another home, find it. Well, yeah, because I guess in general, the market is so hot, yeah. too, I guess, so you don't have yeah. an issue. Yeah, right. it's changed. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Okay, that's a good point because it does happen and we forget about that's another aspect of the industry also. Yeah. You know, you know you're not always controlling the circumstances. No, I just actually had a transaction that, you know, they were separating and there were kids involved. And, um, you know, the, the husband referred me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he says, you know, we have to sit down and, yeah. and with everything transparent. And it was really, really, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking for me as a mom. Because yeah. when you get there, you could see the kids are upset. Yeah. And they see what's going on. And so. And when they see you, they know what that means. Yeah. And, and. You know, in the middle of it, they're having a little bit of a discussion. And so it's, you honestly, you wear the hat of psychologists. You really do. And you make, you know, you're not, we're not attorneys, we're not, but you really do have to have a little bit, a little bit of psychology, a lot of empathy. Yes. Because they're both wrong, but they're both right. Yeah. And they both have the feelings that they feel. Neither one can feel that you're going to offer one side or the other or the other. Um, and I was able to, to manage it, mm-hmm. you know, throughout. And, um, you know, it, it went relatively well. And it was funny because there, no, there were no attorneys involved. I was wow. shocked. Um, but they weren't legally married. So, okay. but they had been together for many years. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was the same thing. You know, they had the kids. It's the same. It's the very same. Yeah. It was just, and it was really, really like I got to know both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then you feel, you feel for both of them. You just, I want to see them all happy. Yes. 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 Moving on and be fine. Moving on. It's it's getting, you know, and I think you probably go through this too. Is telling people, you know, when they're going through something like this. You feel like it's the end. I've been through it. So I understand. I think that helps me help people go yes. through it. Yes. You know. So I try, I think, because I did have some legal background, I tried to pull out the emotion yes. from my divorce. Mm-hmm. Almost impossible. Yeah. And as much as I tried. Yeah. Um, but if you do pull back the layers of emotion and, and try and focus on what you're trying to do here. And that's if you have kids in the house and they have two parents that are disgruntled and it's not a good scenario for them. So your home is going to be wherever you're happy and where both parents are happy. That is exactly 
my my philosophy as well. And I, a lot of times I'll tell people when they're so angry and sometimes we'll get people playing dirty and they're like, they hang on to the home, the home yeah. is this toys. Yes. That they, I have to have, yes, but I try to tell them, were you ha- have you been happy in the home lately? Have you and your kids been? They're so angry yet. Yeah, because, you know, they were kicking and screaming, everyone's screaming and this, and I'm like, remember that. When you have peace, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, in a small apartment at 200 square feet or, or 40,000 square foot house. What's the point if you're miserable or you're not happy? You know, you're better to just, just fine. You have to think about tomorrow after the divorce. Everyone gets so hung up on right now. And it is important, too, because there's certain legal rights that are attached to that. Like you have to enforce and be watching and, and preserve. But there also has to be a limitation of reasonableness that comes in there. And think about what is it going to be after. I have to remember there is a life after this. And I have to set it up for that. And for me and my kids to be happy. Right. You know, if you, if you create trauma everywhere. And these kids have gone through so much trauma. By the way, you're going to take that trauma with you. And the children are going to take it forever with them. So it's just better to try to, you know, unfortunately not everyone's very reasonable, but if they just think about, okay, this is, we have to do this. We're going to separate. We'll try to do the best we can. And we try to see it more objectively. And think about, like you said, the children. Where are we going to be happy? We will be happy somewhere else. And I wouldn't go around telling the other side that, well, I'll be happy when I leave. No, 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 that's, that's starting a fight. <laughs> you know, you know, one of the things is that when, when they're negotiating in the settlement part, you know, everybody focuses, okay, well, I want to keep the house, or I yeah. want to do this, or I want to stay in. They have to remember, when you're negotiating, you're negotiating today with the value of that home yeah. today. That value can go down, it can go up, but if it goes up, typically for it to go up in a normal market, you're talking you're five years. It's going to be yeah. a while. Yeah. We haven't seen that. There hasn't been, but this hasn't been normal. No. So for me, I would think always the smartest thing is to sell the home in the market that you're in mm-hmm. because that's the market you're going to be able to buy. Yeah. You're going to get to totally top dollar for yes. the most part. Yes. Yeah. And then you're not having to think of down the line yeah. what happens if the values go down, which a lot of people have happened. They do. But the look in 2017 yeah. and eight, people really lost their shirts on that. They lost market. their shirts and they were negotiating and, and saying, oh, I want this. And all of a sudden, no, and then like they got it and half the time they're having to modify and they're realizing, wait a minute, I got nothing from the house. I took the house and everything just dropped. It dropped significantly. And I have, a, I have upside down on my mortgage versus the value of the house. And I do that a lot with assets. So I'll take a look at them. What do you, what do you want? Okay, you want this hedge fund or you want a certain type of account. Do you know what that means? Do you know what rights and obligations go with that asset? Because not just the house, it's other assets as well. Uh, you may want a yacht or a boat or something else. Well, let's think about how much money it costs to uh, maintain the boat. <laughs> and do you like the boat? Do you know what it means to do that? You know, and I, because I mean, like, it's emotion. They want it not because it's, it, it makes sense. Yes. It's because of an emotion that they have attached to this asset. Yes, correct, correct. Which they're not really looking at it. So I try to book financial advisors if I can. Can you look at, you know, this app, this is a, Look at this type of brokerage. It's had certain losses. You don't, you know, they don't quite understand that meaning because they're looking at it as just okay. Let me hold on to what I have, but it's not necessarily always. You don't usually have, always have what you think you have. <laughs> so, and life will change. Either you're getting alimony or you will have to start working. Expenses will shift. And what do you really want? What do you really need? What, you know, that's um, really important. So that was one of the last questions. I think we've hit almost everything. See, there's a little ghost here, I think. There's a little box going off by itself. See? 
So <laughs> it's the prompter. It's just literally going off by itself. So, but I think we've hit everything today. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's Well, I want to thank you for coming in today and being part of this episode. It's so great to have you. I think it's so important to have someone like you that has this background, this experience to help buyers and sellers alike. You know. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate you having me here. Absolutely, absolutely. So we want to thank everybody for joining us. I hope you'll enjoy it and jo uh, join us for the next podcast also, which will be announced soon. And please don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a good day. Thank you. Have a great day.